Since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, global health systems have been challenged like never before. As time and resources were directed towards responding to the virus, it was the dedication of healthcare workers that kept services running. Amongst the uncertainty, our hardworking Queensland clinicians have continued their pursuit of excellence, innovating and adapting the way they work to ensure consumers always receive the best care possible. To them, the pandemic was an opportunity to learn and grow and to ensure healthcare delivery continues to evolve to the ever-changing landscape. Because if we've learned anything from the last two years, it is that things will always change and our clinicians will always rise to the occasion. While alternative models of care aren't specific to the pandemic, it was a jumping off point for new ways of doing things. An unofficial mantra of clinical innovation is providing the right care from the right person at the right place and time. And these pioneering projects are leading the way in developing services with this in mind. Thank you for coming along to our presentation. Uh, today we're going to speak about the telehandover program at Mackay. But before we start going through the slides, we want to quickly touch on the patient discharge. The definition of a discharge is to tell someone officially that they can or must leave a situation, to remove or send forth, to get rid of a burden or load. It certainly sounds like we want to be rid of something that's not particularly convenient or important, doesn't it? In comparison, if we look at the definition of clinical handover, a clinical handover is an explicit transfer of information supporting the transfer of clinical accountability and responsibility between health professionals to enable continuity of care for the patient. I bet we all like to think that's what we do, right? Yet why do we still refer to our transfer document as a discharge summary? How often does our patient present to their next care provider and the discharge summary has not been received? Or, if it has, it's been written by a junior doctor who probably never even saw the patient during their hospital stay, so it's a cut and paste copy of other people's notes at best. So with this in mind, now to telehandover. So what is it? Telehandover is an explicit transfer of information between members of interdisciplinary treating teams across different locations that occur virtually over video conference. That is, seeing and hearing all together at once. It is structured as a multidisciplinary case conference and each discipline presenting their piece and having the opportunity to ask and respond to questions. Importantly, telehandover aims to involve the patient and their family or carers wherever it is appropriate to do so. Essentially, to sum up what is telehandover, it's a communication channel. It ensures everyone has the same information and is on the same treatment path with the patient. Any patient transferring from one site to another can be suitable for telehandover, but they are most useful when there is an element of complexity to the case. This may be related to the patient's condition, but it may also relate to the logistics of the transfer and the different capacity and capabilities of the sites and clinicians involved. We started with some preconceived notions of the sorts of conditions that would best benefit, and we were right in relation to rehab-type cases. But as time goes by, we've seen this evolve and expand. For example, mental health was originally excluded, 
however, our inpatient unit identified a patient who was transferring back to South Queensland who could benefit. Judy arranged a tele-handover and had a very successful outcome for them. Now, any case that the clinical teams deem appropriate will be accepted for the program. More recently, we have seen transfer of care to GPs for some of our complex rehab patients. GPs are thrilled to have the opportunity to discuss the case with the consultant and treating team with their patient all together. I'll now hand over to Judy for a few more slides. Thanks, Beck. So in terms of the process steps for telehandover, for us, our existing rural step-down process is an integral component of the identification and selection of patients. As a coordinator, I attend rapid rounds and MDT meetings and conduct review of inpatient reports. When a patient is identified as appropriate, I swing into action, setting up the time, place, participants and equipment, as well as testing, dialing, links, etc. If required, TEMSU can connect the video conference, but we also have the ability to manage the dial-ins ourselves. Each handover has a nominated chair and note-taker. In Mackay, I usually chair the meeting and record the audio so notes can be completed. The handover follows the SBAR format and the clinical notes are disseminated to all participating Queensland Health sites. If TEMSU has been involved, they also note the interaction and disseminate notes as required. For reporting and funding purposes, we record the activity in the patient admission in Hibiscus. So with broader acceptance by clinicians, we now see telehandover routinely requested by some doctors, allied health staff, wards and rural facilities. We conduct telehandover involving stakeholders from other agencies such as NDIS, Specialist Palliative Rural Telehealth Service, also known as SPARTA, QCAT, GP practices, residential aged care facilities, and we provide clinical education with rural hospitals. And more importantly, we've had family members from all over the world linked in. The scope of conditions just keeps growing as we continue to say yes. In terms of transfers, we have reclaimed 1,286 bed days at Mackay Base Hospital from patients who've been stepped down to their own community hospital within our hospital and health service. It definitely supports patient flow and helps us to maximise bed capacity across our eight facilities. The photo on the bottom right is our first orthopaedic patient. This lady was in traction and the Proserpine Hospital were uncertain of their ability to manage a traction patient. We held the telehandover to discuss and demonstrate a real-time virtual education session. This led to the patient being accepted and transferred to the hospital closest to her home. We now routinely receive requests from some clinicians to arrange telehandovers for complex patients being transferred to us from tertiary centres. Having participated as the sending facility, our specialists are seeking to have the same level of clinical handover when they agree to accept patients coming to us. GPs who have participated tell us they have no doubt patients with complex needs would represent to hospital without a telehandover. So here's some benefits. So another, another positive note point is that from the 1 July this year, telehandover is funded as part of the telehealth incentive payments arrangement. We continue to work closely with the telehealth support unit and funding bodies to refine and design the methods by which we record and report this activity. The rest of the points on this slide are best summed up by our next speaker on the short video.
Telehandover has really assisted with clinical handover and ensuring that continuity of care in, in terms of a patient's hospital admission. Many of our patients have been in hospital for many weeks, many months at a time, and they're really complex and their needs uh, and goals going forward are complex. Just like anything in medicine, a handover and an efficient handover process should occur between each stage of, a hospital in, of the hospital admission. And this allows a face-to-face, -face, very humanistic, patient-centered approach uh, to that process. So I have not been involved in the telehandover at all in the almost 10 years I've been working in Queensland Health. I've only experienced it since coming to Mackay Base Hospital and since experiencing and, and being involved in the process, I would have to say it's irreplaceable in terms of a um, the efficiency that it provides and the ease in which the handover process uh, occurs. It, it reduces the amount of time that individual clinicians may need to do uh, individual phone calls and, and it gets us all in one place. I think the, the benefit for our patients, so my patients particularly, and they've had strokes and spinal cord injuries and, and traumatic brain injuries, it's really easy for people with disabilities um, to be disempowered in the hospital setting. And I think what telehandover provides is a voice for them and, and the ability for them to be involved and direct their healthcare in, in a system that um, quite easily can forget that they, they have a voice. Okay, so some other just general feedback from our participants. So all participating clinicians and patients are given an opportunity to feedback via a quick survey. To date, all but two clinicians said they would be happy to participate in another telehandover. And all but 3% of clinicians reported that the telehandover added value. For our patients, all but one found it a positive experience and 100% said they would participate again. So back to you, Beck. So it can be challenging to coordinate lots of different people finding times to suit workloads and shift patterns. It requires very good coordination to work well. Without a dedicated coordinator, it would simply would not happen. Because it sits across so many jurisdictions and facilities, it really needs a central coordination point for consistency and accountability. The coordinator asks lots of questions and does a lot of research on who has touched the patient and who will touch the patient to ensure the right clinicians are involved. The timing of transfers can also pack, impact all of this as well. Our coordinator role is not recurrently funded past 30 June 2022. Hospitals without IMR can also make it hard to access some information and takes a lot more legwork. And sending tertiary hospitals, like us, are under significant pressure to release beds. However, they aren't quite as far on the journey and often see telehandover as a barrier to timely discharge. So where do we go from here? We will continue to influence a new way of thinking to take us from patient discharge to a patient-focused transfer of care mindset. We want to further embed the program as part of our acute patient flow, bed management and capacity strategies. We also want to continue to develop the program as part of our hospital avoidance strategy, supporting and empowering primary care to better manage complex patients. And in line with this, we now have telehandover included in our formal clinical handover and inter-hospital transfer procedures. We will continue the work to design and refine funding models that evolve along with what we actually do in the patient setting. So in closing, 
We as a collective have an opportunity to adopt a statewide, coordinated, standardised approach for transferring care across all care providers within the health system. I'd like to thank everyone for your time this afternoon. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast and taking the time to learn about the wonderful work of Queensland's frontline clinicians. To continue the conversation, head on over to Facebook and let us know of any pockets of excellence you think deserve to be showcased. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Clinical Excellence Queensland.